Otto Kelly is an amazing man. He's a close friend of mine, but I have such great respect for him as a man, as a dad, as a husband, and for what he does impacting and changing the world in which you and I live. I want you to meet him today. Otto Kelly is a former professional football player who now is the executive director of the Reno-Fernley Crisis Pregnancy Center there in Reno, Nevada. And uh, an amazing man. I'm here today on Brave Men with Chris Shields. And uh, Chris, uh, Otto, you've met Otto. Yes. Now, Otto, if, if you haven't met him, let me, let me give you a picture of him. Otto, is, uh, Otto has continued to work out yes. since he was in professional football, which has been a few years ago, right? And, uh, and in his working out, I don't even know if he could play now. He's so big. Like his arms are the size of my waist. I would feel you know? bad for whoever tried yeah. to go up against him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, so what's funny is Otto does this thing. We've traveled quite a bit together, and he does this thing where he'll say, hey, uh, think of, close your eyes. Think of the director of a crisis pregnancy center. Now, open your eyes, look at me. And here he is, this husky, strong, good-looking black man who uh, just doesn't fit the profile. And yet, over the last decade, he and his wife, Joy, have, been one of the, have headed up one of the most successful crisis pregnancy centers in all of America. He's a remarkable man. I want everybody to meet him, Chris. And uh, so every time I get a chance, I put him on a stage. Have him talk about his testimony. Have him speak. Um, he's one of these guys that he says, all right, everybody write this down. Well, everybody writes it down. Yeah. Because nobody's not going to write it down. <laughs> not when a guy like him is going to Yeah, because he's going to come thump you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, yes. Right? He gets up. He goes, all right, here yes. we go. Here is what we're doing. He's like a coach. He's, he's an amazing man. Yeah. You know, he holds a record, and, and he didn't know I knew this, and I brought it up. He holds a record for the most yards ever uh, rushed in a single quarter in an NCAA football game. It's over wow. 200 yards in one quarter. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's remarkable. He he did that with with the uh, University of Nevada Wolfpack there in Reno. You know, one of the things that I really admire about Otto is the humility he walks mm. in. He would yeah. never tell you, like you know, no, even looking he over. Talk about any of this yeah, stuff. Like uh, you sit here and you look at his bio and what he's all actually the things done, he's done the and all the awards he has, he has, and you're just like, you would have never known about this and it's not just in one area it's you know diverse you know mm -hmm. he's really made an impact on the world outside of athletes you know being an athlete yeah. you know athletics you know yeah um, he was he worked with the police department uh before he did the crisis pregnancy center and he worked on uh youth and juvenile issues yes for uh like 15 years 13 14 15 years something like that you, also at the same time pastoring a church and all of that came out of a conversion experience he had in the early 80s it's a remarkable story. Yeah. Did you know May 17th is Pastor Otto Kelly Day? Where? In Nevada. Anywhere. In Reno. Anywhere no, he in wants Reno. it to be. See, city of <laughs> Reno. The city of Reno, Nevada? Yeah. Proclaiming May 17th. Otto, Pastor Otto Kelly Day. Yes. Yeah. He's won the Northern Nevada Black Cultural Awareness Society Community Services Award. Amazing. How do you even put that on an award sheet? Something that. You, how, you couldn't put it on a plaque. Yeah. I, I, I That's don't too know. long. Yeah. You have to shorten that. <laughs> yes. Why don't you help him out, Chris? You're good at that. <laughs> and he's won awards from the Senate and so forth. But yes. most of all, I'll tell you where he's won awards for me is watching him uh, the way he's a, uh, a husband and a dad to two incredible uh, men. And, uh, and then watching the way he has discipled men. Yeah. I mean, I've firsthand seen it. I've been there. I've seen it. We've been friends for a number of years. And I have seen the changes in people's lives that happen because this man gets involved. And, and Chris, this, this interview, I, I just want to set it up for all of us. This is conversation that Otto and I had. What he's done is the mission call to every single man listening to this today. Wow. This is where we all need to live, man. We need to be intentional. Yes. We need to pull other people up. Yep. We need to lift people up. Even if we're still getting up ourselves. Yes. Help somebody else up while you're help, you know, yeah. getting up. And Otto's done that. You literally ripped the word out of my mouth. I was going to say one of the biggest things about Otto is he is fully present and intentional mm -hmm. when he's with you. 
He's yeah. not worried about anybody else that is around. No. He wants to lick you in the eye yeah. and makes you feel important. And it blows my mind. Yeah. You got this big guy that's just zoomed in on I you. I was giving a bad time about getting t-shirts that are just too small. <laughs> I go, dude, if I wore t-shirts that were too small, I might look like that. I, don't think, I would have to buy t-shirts that have stuff in them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, uh, me too. It's okay. Me too, Paul. You know, the thing is, but, but when, uh, you know, I, I always talk about my friend, uh, Reggie White, yeah. uh, passed away years ago. And, uh, you know, Otto's like that in the sense that he's a large guy, strong physically, but he doesn't try to prove anything no. because he knows who he is as a man. Exactly. And when we know who our, what our identity is, that's where our true strength comes from. Exactly. And uh, so today, as you're uh, listening to Brave Men, remember at Christian Men's Network, we have tools to help build strong men. And we do that in 134 countries around the world, over 19 languages. And uh, Christian Men's Network and uh, cmn.men, cmn, Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. And we have tools for discipleship. uh, And uh, we've just, in fact, this year during even just before the COVID uh, craziness happened, we celebrated taking 1 million men through men's discipleship just in the nation of Indonesia. This is a Muslim nation, or yeah. it was. You yeah. know, it's changing. But, uh, but that's what we're about. That's why I love Otto, because we're all headed the same direction. He serves on some of our urban teams. And uh, this is an amazing, remarkable conversation with a powerful and dynamic man who is his strength, you'll listen, you'll hear it. His strength is from the inside out. Here is Otto Kelly today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with um, my great friend, uh, brother Otto Kelly, who's the executive director of the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Reno, Nevada. You and your wife, Joy. Uh, a few years ago, made a huge uh, right turn in your lives, and and I, I love the way you do it, Otto. You talk about uh, think of what a crisis pregnancy center a director looks like. Close your eyes, think of that. Now open your eyes, look at me. <laughs> and, uh, here you are, uh, a, a former professional football player. Your arms are still growing. I don't understand that thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm going to have to start wearing tighter T-shirts, make my arms look big. There you go, man. You know, it's it's, it's a secret. It's a method. (laughs) It's a method. And so, Otter Kelly, you played uh, football, played professional, uh, played USFL, played NFL. Was that the Eagles and the Chiefs? Yes, sir. And so, for somebody not from the United States, it's it's American Gridiron, and that's um, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And uh, USFL. Hey, uh, so let me ask you something. But you're a Wolfpack. You're like a Hall of Fame, which is University of Nevada in Reno, right? It's, yes, sir. Yeah. That's college football, uh-huh. which is still the purest form of football, right? I believe so, my friend. I believe okay. so. <laughs> and Just my uh, personal opinion. <laughs> this, yeah, in my humble opinion. <laughs> so, But my understanding is – I you never told me this. I actually – I actually researched you. Do you know you're on the internet, bro? That's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're all over the place. But here's what I read. That you actually, and maybe this is still true, you held for many years, maybe still do, as a running back in college, you held the NCAA record for the most yards gained in one quarter. Yes, sir. Does that still hold? That still holds. Are you kidding me? Where's still the, holds. Of all the great guys, Eric Dickerson, Ricky Bell, okay, uh, going back, coming forward. Are you telling Ezekiel Elliott, are you just saying you're the number – you gain more yards in a quarter than any of those guys ever in history? I never noticed that, but, yep, that's what they say. Golly, man. <laughs> that's what they say. You know, Otto, the next time you and I are together, I need your autograph, man. <laughs> man, get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> See, hey, they, they, they just don't understand how far back we go, brother. So you, you know, you you have what you have. Anytime I have it, brother, believe. It. Well, uh, you know, my grandkids can't believe that I actually played basketball when there was no three point shot. You know, they're like, "Papa, what, what was that?" I go, "Hey, all the games were in black and white. What can I tell you?" That's right. <laughs> hey, but so you've got all these athletic things, and then you were pastor. 
radically saved on a college campus. I want to get in, into that in a minute. But with the Crisis Pregnancy Center, one of the things that you started doing that absolutely has knocked me out is you started doing a daddy academy mm-hmm. where young men, and you can, I want you to explain all this thing. You take young men whose girlfriend or wife or significant other is, is uh, abortion-minded, Mm-hmm. And you help these young men begin to understand that when this child is born, they actually have a responsibility. Yes, sir. Tell me about that and tell me how, how did that thing come about? Because it didn't seem to me with the things I've been active in that that was part of the normal crisis pregnancy center method. You know, um, we started this thing. Uh, I was uh, took over the crisis pregnancy center um, eight and a half years ago, Paul, so almost nine wow. years now. Wow. And uh, gosh, honestly, the first thing that we noticed coming into the doors is like there was nothing going on for guys. Great stuff happening for the ladies. Awesome stuff. I mean, from pregnancy tests to maternal support to all the above. And the guys weren't receiving anything. And then honestly, you know, it was it was a no brainer. But honestly, the Holy Spirit really poured the importance of getting these guys on board. Um, and so what we did immediately is we took <laughs> we took my office and we transitioned it, transformed it into a man cave. And so when guys come through the doors, all of a sudden they they start seeing men stuff. And they, first of all, they don't they don't get that. They think it's nothing gonna nothing but estrogen is taking place. Yeah. So, so what happens is um, so they're you know the girl that that's pregnant that they're with is abortion minded. They come to the, to the Reno Crisis Pregnancy Center, and you help move them to a place to where they save that child's life. Yeah. Which is yeah. amazing what you and your wife, Joy, do. But this young man gets invited, hey, could you come down and talk to the director? So I'm sure they're thinking it's some you know, older lady, a you know, sharp woman, whatever. They walk in, and there you are. <laughs> Brother, there are some double takes. <laughs> there are some double takes, yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. You know, because um, there you are. You're, 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 you're fit. You know, uh, you do work out. You're fit. You're healthy. You're, you're strong. Uh, and you walk them into a man cave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So tell me what happens there. Well, yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, we explain to them, you know, in vivid detail, you know, that hey. You know, we're here to help her, but equally, we're here to help you. And what normally takes place, uh, Paul, is that um, the young lady has taken up to talk to one of our client advocates. And most of the time, the guy's left by himself, you know, kind of sit there. And uh, so I trained the guys that uh, are volunteers. Okay, now there's going to be a perfect time where you're going to be able to engage in a conversation. Because he's kind of sitting there, he's filling with his phone, he's kind of figuring out, okay, what I'm supposed to do here. And um, and then a conversation ensues. I just say, you know, we come and we talk to him, and I said, dude, we're here for you, man. I said, you're tripping a little bit, aren't you? Well, yeah, man. It's like I, I, you know, my dad left, and I don't know anything about part of it. I said, we got you, brother. So we just we, you know, bring him back to the man cave. I said, listen, you can come here anytime, dude. You just come here, and we can talk about issues. And so we began to explain to him, you know, that it's 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 against your nature to uh, get rid of something that you're responsible for, wow. and that's why you, that's why you feel bad. You know, it's, it's just against your nature, brother. We're, we're, we're made to protect. We're made to care for. We're made to de- defend. That's what we're called to do. And when we, get, when we don't do that, there's something in us that knows, it, knows it's wrong. And then we try to hide it by, by behavior that's completely um, antisocial. And, uh, but once you recognize, you know, again, who you are and your responsibility and what you are as a man, um, it, it just, you begin to walk that out and you feel better about yourself. And, wow. uh, and so you we, take them, you, you uh, immediately take, start taking them through, and, and we're talking, we're on Brave Men, uh, which is sponsored by the Christian Men's Network mm-hmm. and Maximize Manhood, and you're one of our uh, key men in the Christian Men's Network, but you take them immediately, you just start taking them through Maximize Manhood, the acceptance of responsibility, right? I do, I do. Um, and again, you know, and I let them know, hey, the majority of good things that you hear about you know, I mean, you know, from from uh, uh, Marvel heroes to those individuals, they all grab gravitate all this good deeds from Scripture. Everything, everything, you know, from 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 rescuing people to you know, this is what the stuff's all about. This is what manhood is about. It's the Knights of the Round Table, same thing. All that's biblical, man. 
And uh, I said, you know, sometimes that we try to we try to throw things from a biblical perspective that really um, is not true. But let me explain to you the foundation of real manhood, and then explain that to them, and they begin to see it. I said, dude, you know, look look at look at the Iron Man. You know, he's a philanthropist. He's he's created stuff. I said, but when the smoke cleared, I thought he was real selfish. But when the smoke cleared, you know, he he sacrificed himself for everybody else. Wow. You know what I mean? But he's supposed to be, you know, this selfish, you know, guy. But when the smoke clears, he sacrificed himself for others. Yeah. I said, well, I said, look at your heroes, man. The majority of the ones that you consider to be a hero always sacrifice sacrifice himself for other people. I said, all this stuff comes from the Bible. So explaining that to them in a way that they're able to um, receive it and it doesn't sound religious. It's just this is real. This is real stuff. And they be the 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 uh, honestly, Paul, the light begins to open. And uh, and then you help them with practical application of it. I'm just telling them, no, this is what this is how you do it, bro. And we got you. And I even tell them, it's okay. Look at look at the uh, look at the, all all your Jedi's. You always have one guy <laughs> that 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 mentors them and fathers them. I said, and yeah. look at the Jedi, you know, yeah, so there's always a guy. Thing. There's always a guide, right? You know, That's and a so figure. exactly, bro. And and yeah. so just taking those things that they would consider to be, you know. Uh, uh, a superhero, and then explaining to them, hey, no, this is the real superhero, man, and uh, wow. this is how he did things, and they catch it. They, they just truly catch it, bro. Yeah, because everybody has, every man has something inside him that says, you know, I'm supposed to be living a larger life. Yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to be the defender of the weak. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of those things, and we cover it. In fact, a lot of guys will cover it by, by uh, you know, hurting the weak. And so, uh, and they they try to cover up that whole, if you will, they think tenderness is something something about weakness, right? But it's not. It's graciousness from God mm-hmm. that the Lord put in there. So now you've got all these, um, let's say, abortion-minded young ladies that will come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. Truth be told, not every single one that comes through is abortion-minded. Okay, a lot of them are. But even when they are, are do come in, um, not abortion-minded, just to receive assistance and help, okay. we still do the things with the guys. Because so, how many, the, so you still do that with the guys. Then how many uh, occasions would you have, like, for instance, you've done, been doing it eight and a half years um, last year, this year being quite different with the COVID thing, but you've still got people getting pregnant. Yes, sir. Maybe a lot more. Yes, sir. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> that, did, that did not make a make a dent in our uh, clientele. It did not. You know, the it quarant- quarantining kind of took up the uh, birth rate. Yeah, you've seen that. So uh, okay, so they're not all that. But how many how many people came in like last year that, to seek your services there at the Reno, a crisis pregnancy center? Um, last year, I would say close to twenty nine. To twenty nine hundred to three thousand. Wow! Came through the doors to, to receive wow. service. Wow! Yeah, and, and again, I think it has to do with um, you know um, it, it's some it's some interesting things that yeah. take place, Paul. And the reason why I say that is because, um, gosh, Lord, the reputation that we have as mm-hmm. a as a crisis pregnancy center is that they're not judgmental, they're not trying to convert you. But somehow, some way, man, they're just here to help you. Yeah. And, and what we did was, is um, 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 the best way I can describe it is asking the Father to bless us with his presence. Mm. Just, we need your presence, Father. Yeah. And when they come through the doors, my brother, when they come through the doors, they sense the presence of the Father. Wow. And, and when you have a, uh, a community and a, and a city and a, and a state that really is rampant with fatherlessness, um, and that you have an orphan thing going on. Uh, when they come to the doors and they sense, they can't explain it. They sense the presence of the father. They don't know what, but they just know that they're welcome there. Yeah. And then that in itself kind of like begins to transition, um, because I've never felt this way before. You know, uh, a couple of them. One you know in particular. You know, uh, you, you know, you did some wonderful things for him. He the same thing. And we, him and his wife went to a couple of different places and they kind of rejected him. But as soon as he came through the doors, man, it was like, wow, they're accepting me. And, um, and, and you have your, what you have to say has merit, man. You know, we got you. Yeah. And that just changed everything for him. 
you know. Wow. So I think that's what does it, Paul, honestly, you know, because everybody's searching for him. Everybody's looking for father. They just don't know it. But once yeah. they sense so, him, so when people come in, there's the spirit of a father. So you had, but you've had, because of that, let's say you had a few thousand people, 2,900. Mm-hmm. You're very, uh, you're trying to be really right on, on the truth line with that one, not to hyper, uh, hyper exaggerate. Mm-mm, but uh, a little over 2,900 people. And how many babies would have been, uh, they were on there, they were abortion minded. How many children do you think you, you probably save in a year like that? Well, brother, you figure that um, I would say maybe 30%, maybe 40% of the ones that come through the doors, uh, we on record are, uh, are abortion minded. Um, and I would say from that 30 to 40 percent, um, gosh, I would say easily, um, uh, between 80 and 85 percent changed their mind. Wow. So we're talking at Jesus, least you, on a yearly basis, wow. you know, we'd say at least, gosh, if we do the numbers right, I'm thinking at least three to, um, two to three hundred, yeah. I would say easily. Yeah, easily. Um, Babies yeah, and yeah. And I'm, I'm really being conservative. Yeah, you're very conservative. I think it's more like seven or eight hundred. Yeah, you know, based on those numbers. But man, that's Otto. That's just fantastic. You and Joy have to be commended. Now, where did you come into touch with the Father's love? Mm-hmm. Where did you tip over and become a follower of Jesus Christ? How'd that thing happen? You know, it became earlier than I thought. Uh, my dad died when I was in middle school. And to watch my hero, you know, big kind of like guy, entertainer, shrink up, you know, to 100 pounds. Um, And I have, you know, two older brothers, two older sisters. I'm the baby of the family. But he was like, you know, the the hero to us. Um, But to watch him transform before our eyes um, into, you know, just like I said, you know, maybe maybe 95, 100 pounds. Um, To watch that. you know, it was, it was, um, it, it kind of did some things emotionally and mentally, obviously. But um, after he died, you know, um, and of course, we went through the funeral and cried and all this other stuff. But then what happened was a transition took place. I became angry. Mm. And when I became angry, uh, because my, my mom, you know, she, she would live out the gospel. She wouldn't talk to us that much about it, but she'd live it. But and so there's a liking that I had about had of God, but not a personal relationship. And so I said, God, you know what? You're powerful and you're mighty, and you could have healed my dad. Yeah, to your but fault. You didn't. Yeah, but you didn't. So because you didn't heal him, I don't have a dad, and because I don't have a dad, you're my father. I'm a I'm, you're you're my father because I don't have a dad, and I didn't know what I was doing, Paul, at the time. But I was asking to be born again. I didn't know. Wow. But my, my, my senior year in, in high school, God really, you know, I really got born again. But, um, but so I didn't, I haven't known um, God any other way than Father. Right. I, you know, he began to, in his wonderful way, introduce me to the living, to, to, to Jesus. And, you know, um, that, you know, everything Jesus did, hey, I'm telling you about the Father. All I can do is tell you what the Father's telling me to tell you to do. And so for me, it's always been Father. And uh, so, so your dad, before he passed away, how old were you? I was uh, 12. No, 13. And, uh, but he had, he and, and your mom had imprinted you with at least a sense of loving God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which helped kind of tip things in the right direction. And then uh, you end up in college, and out of college, though, now you got real involved with um, uh, some ministries, on-campus ministries. Yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting because uh, my, my freshman year, you know, I didn't really didn't have that much foundation, you know, didn't yeah. have, you know, and, um, and I didn't know what discipleship was. All I knew was I was just following Jesus. I was trying to follow God, and then, you know, backslid, didn't know what, you know, and so uh, my son, my second semester sophomore, I never forget this, you know, uh, we're walking and I'm hanging, hanging with the boys and, you know, we're right after spring ball. So we're happy, man. You know, we're, so we're walking on campus and this guy's open air preaching. Man. He's bringing it, you know, and uh, for some reason, 
but he kind of pointed me out and he pointed at me and he said, and you, <laughs> he said, how dare you take the gifts that God's given you and prostitute them for your own good? I said, I said what? He goes, you, 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 you basically taking what God's given you and using, using it for yourself and not utilizing it in the way that you know that God's called you to use it. And he just, he just spoke right to that. And uh, pretty soon, I was, before I knew it, I was in a discipleship house, moved out. The, the guy came over to the, 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 the apartment that I was in, and he, he just said, hey, listen, I, I don't know. I, I found out where you live. All I know is God's telling me, you're supposed to come live with me in a discipleship house. Wow. And before I knew it, man, I'm in a discipleship house uh, <laughs> doing some ministry. You know, uh, it was radical. It was radical, but that's what I needed. I needed a special and portrait kind of guy. Yeah, and then after you got out of, uh, then you went and played uh, professionally for a few years. Yeah, and then uh, and then out of that came back into uh, a ministry thing. Is that what you did? Yeah, uh, came back. Um, you know, got hurt in, in the NFL. Came back. Um, then I became a counselor at um, the Job Corps uh, there for two years, and then. Uh, and still, you know, doing stuff in the, in the church. Right. But then um, there was a, a, an opening in the county for a gang specialist. Right. Because things, things were just starting to happen here. It was starting to pop. And uh, they didn't want to pursue it from a law enforcement perspective, but they wanted to find out what was going on in regard to, okay, what do we do? And, uh, and that's kind of like where the whole thing started. Where, so that's, uh, you know, okay. And that's where you got into working with the juvenile yeah. Uh, authorities and so forth, and yeah. you became a specialist in gangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why do it's, why do young men join gangs? Because they're doing it today in record numbers. You know, again, it has to do with not uh, receiving. Now, it's firmly believed it's not receiving um, um, identity and not receiving significance. Wow. Um, because because what I found is that um, a number of guys um, I would I would speak to. Uh, I would recognize, well, you know, honestly, Paul, what, I, what I've seen, brother, is that we just don't go get them. Mm. We just don't go and get them. And it, it, it's, it's being willing to risk your comfort to go get them. Just go get them. You know, uh, uh, every significant point in my life, somebody came and got me. Wow. So, some kind of father, some type of authority figure that came and got me. I said, you know better than this. And it's amazing to me when we do that, no matter how, how hardcore they think they are, you begin to speak to them like the, the thing that you always talk about, bro. You know, a father is able to reach into the heart of a young man, pull out his destiny and show it to him. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me, bro, I, I didn't realize I was doing that. But you would see the potential in their lives. And I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about you just got done trying to shoot somebody. I wouldn't get, you know, I'm talking about this is who you really are, man. And you're not living, the, the reason why you're living this way is because you have a perception of yourself that isn't true. Let me tell you who you really are. And these guys catch it, bro. I'm telling you, it's not that difficult. I'm, you know, I'm a college graduate, but I ain't that smart, I'm that smart man. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, they're, they're looking for someone just to tell them who they are. And once you yeah. do that, they'll break, their, they'll break their necks to respond to that. So, is it, so in our culture today, in the United States and in Western particularly in Western culture, which is kind of basically the whole world now is somewhat Westernized. Yeah, man. Even though there may be Eastern philosophy or thought. Uh, in our culture today, in, in what we're living in, so what you're saying is young men are really growing up without any affirmation or purpose, without yeah. being given an identity. And when they find their identity in Christ or you're able to impart that, mm -hmm. And bang, everything kind of shifts and turns. Everything pivots. Is that yes, right? Sir. Yes, sir. You're exactly right, man. And I think it's us just being willing to be bold enough to tell them the truth. Wow. This is not you, man. I'm, I, this is not you. I had a guy, if you don't mind me sharing the story real quick, I had a yeah. guy who, who, you know, when I was with juvenile services, he came in, he came in, and he was, you know, known gangster, man. He was, you know, and uh, people don't look at Reno as like, you know, pretty hardcore, but this Mary's is pretty, you know, pretty hardcore. And, <laughs> And this guy comes in, you know, so, but one of his friends had told me that I, you know, um, this, he, man, he pissed, he's mad, he's frustrated. So what's going on? Well, this guy said something about his mom, and he's getting ready to go shoot it. So I said, okay. So he comes into the, we, well, we, we had a, a community center. So we had outreaches in different neighborhoods and communities. So 
uh, we held one in this particular, you know, heavy neighborhood. Anyway, so he comes, he comes in the house, what we call our house. He comes in, it's about another 15, 20 kids there. And so I'm in my office and I see him out there doing some things. So I go out, I said, man, you need to come talk to me. And he said, what's up? I said, just, just come see me. So he comes to my office and uh, I said, man, I heard you, heard you got some beef with somebody. Well, yeah, I said, man, listen. I said, the last thing you need to do is to go blast somebody. And then you're going to spend, uh, spend the rest of your life in prison. And that person is going to be lost and gone. I said, so I said, but you, and, and this is what I said. I said, I said, in, inside your heart right now, Paul, quote, inside your heart right now, you know that you're struggling. You know you're struggling. You know that the, the, the street is telling you to do this. But inside of you, you know that you don't want to do it. I said, that's the real you. That's the real you. You listen to the real you. I said, and he goes, I, I said, no, oh, stop. I didn't give him a chance. I said, so, I said, so you, you, I said, you, you, you come into my office. I said, boy, you, you, you got something on you? And uh, he had a nine, nine millimeter. I said, man, what's the rules? And he went, you know, ain't supposed to bring nothing. I said, give me that thing. Just give it to me. Now I'm dad now. I'm not, I'm not his friend. I'm right. dad. And he pulls it out, you know, he puts it on, on my desk. I said, man, I said, I know you didn't buy this thing. It's stolen, right? He tells me, that's okay. Listen, listen, this is between me and you, you know. I said, but you can't, you can't be doing this, man. Anyway, I say all that to say that we think that, um, that um, somehow, some way, if we were to talk to them as a father, that they would see it as threatening. But they really see it as you caring enough for them to tell them the truth. Wow. And then they respond to it, brother. They really do. I mean, wow. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. We have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. And CMN has created a 12-part training course on how to create a successful men's ministry for pastors and leaders. Check it out. Majoringinmen.com. Majoringinmen.com, which is the solution to men's discipleship. Because of the generous sponsorship of the Christian Men's Network partners, what would normally cost $100 is now free. That's the Majoringinmen.com. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Otto Kelly. So when we've got young people in our uh, that come through our church, or, or let's say I'm a businessman and I've got some young guys that come through my uh, business and job, I don't need to be intimidated because they're listening to different music than I like or, or uh, wearing different clothes. They still have that basic core need to know that there's a father that loves them and to know that they were made and have value. Yeah. They yes, were made sir. alive to be on earth for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So you're you know, seeing that resonates with, with young men across, uh, across the country. I agree. Across the world, honestly. Yeah, around the world. So, so we as men, sometimes we think, well, I don't know their background or I don't know their experience. Uh, so who am I? Or I don't speak the right way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, it's really about the touch, isn't it? It is, sir. It is, sir. And they can they can spot um, uh, an unauthentic person from out of the way. <laughs> you mean a fraud? You mean a poser? <laughs> yes, unauthentic. Sir. Yes, they are. You're they trying can, to be they nice, can. man. You're being a little politically correct. Or that's that, that left in the '90s. Sorry, but they can spot it. And yeah. um, if there isn't really a legitimate heart and to, to see their lives better, could they'll consider it as you uh, just trying to put, trying uh, to like, uh, yeah, put a, put a check in the box to make you yeah. feel better about yourself or yeah. try to, uh, try to appease this God, you know, so you, you can get into heaven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's my, yeah, it's my uh, 12 step program and you're step number five. Check. Got that Precisely. one. Right. Talk to a kid. I don't know if you listened. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Check the box. Right. So right. that's huge right there because if we're not careful, we can programize this stuff when it's really not about program. It's about relationship. Yes, sir. 
loving people, loving our neighborhood. Man, what you're doing there is incredible. You've got an amazing background. And, uh, you know, but right now in the, in the world in which we live, domestic violence has just gone off the charts. How do you and your wife minister in the midst of chaos? In other words, sometimes to people in chaos, chaos feels normal. Right. How do you help them move to a place where they go, oh, that's not normal? Right. Or I'm in chaos and I don't give a rip. Mm-hmm. How do you help people shift? their mindset i i think again paul goes back to the beginning of what we talked about we have to be willing enough to love them enough to go after them and and what i'm talking about is that um i just don't wait now wait for them to come through the doors um if i have a decent relationship with them if i have a, a i'm on a name basis with them i go to the house yeah I knock on the door you know brother how can we help you no seriously how can we how can we be here for you uh, sister you know whatever and it's ama- again amazing, amazing to me that you know the majority of people don't come to church is because people don't invite them. You wow. know, you know, very simply. And, and and but when we you know go to where they're at, and I'm not telling everybody to do this. I'm simply saying that when the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart to go, then please don't 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 disregard that because right. that person needs to hear from you. You well, know. going going where they're at might just be the break room, you know, if you're working at Lowe's or something. And it doesn't have right to there, be, Paul. That's good. That's it so good. Heavy handed. It's just yeah. yo. I've got this group of people I hang with. It encourages me, makes me feel positive. I know you've got some issues with your kids. You should try this. Right. Right. People are looking for that, and people aren't going to go there unless they're invited, frankly. Yeah. You know, people aren't just going to show up because you have a clever saying on the front of your sign. No, sir. <laughs> or, no, sir. Or, <laughs> so or, <clears throat> or my, my favorite one is, is the sign on a church building that says, all are welcome. It's like, if you're not a churchgoer, you don't know what that really means. All are welcome. Well, yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, because no. uh, they, they don't know, or they don't no, like don't. snakes. You know, <laughs> and they think maybe that's what happened. <laughs> I saw a movie once, man. What was that movie? I saw these guys that had snakes in there. I don't do snakes, man. Oh, no, man. <laughs> or, no you know, or, you know, I saw a movie once, and and, and uh, we all got to wear hats. All the ladies got to wear yeah. hats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think all that stuff, you know, uh, it, just, it just pushes people. And so the thing is, is that the only way, the only on-ramp that a person has to become a follower of Christ is another follower of Christ. Yes, sir. There's very few that are just going to have this wake up in the morning and have a vision. That happens in Muslim nations. Mm. Doesn't happen so much in the United States. I've got, you know, one friend who, two friends who actually heard a voice, but they still had to find somebody like you and go, Hey, this voice said they've been waiting for me. I know it was God. Now what do I do next? Right. What do I do next? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people that are that are just walking along. Whether it's, you know, we can talk gang life on one side. Doesn't matter. You can be as as uh, constricted or as in much bondage in the country club crowd. Right. Right. Doesn't right. matter where you're at. If you're not following Christ, you've got a bondage constriction on you. Right. So this is amazing what you do, Otto. Uh, what are the things that you feel? Uh, that young men are dealing with the most. We, we talked about the affirmation, the sense of purpose. But when you talk to these guys, let's say I've got a young man that comes, let's say I'm a guy in a church. Okay. Yeah. I got a young man, he comes through the doors. You know, now he's already there. Uh, do I go over and act like I, you know, listen to the <laughs> latest music? <or> whatever? <laughs> you know, because that usually doesn't go too well. No, sir. You know, uh, how do I approach him? How do I go over and go, hey, how are you? You know, what's going on with your life? What brings you here? Right. How do I, I do it? No, I think that that's a great approach. You know, uh, you know, um, approaching them in such a way to where you're uh, displaying concern. You know, not uh, not religious, but just just concern. You know. Um, you know, you, you got guys that are doing stuff in, in, in Texas that are going to the side of the road 
handing out food to people, you know, knowing that things are real difficult. It's just, you know, adjusting yourself in such a way to where you can allow the Lord to be applicable in these people's lives. You know, so honestly, I, I think it, it, I think it has to do, Paul, really with willingness to be uh, allowing the spirit of God to give you discernment. Mm-hmm. Because some guys, some guys come into the doors and they've never, they've, they've never had, you know, I know it's surprising, but they've never had a close encounter with uh, someone of a different color. You know, yeah, and so, yeah, so when so when the, the approach is a universal concern about you, mm-hmm. dude, I don't care how you feel about me. My concern is about you. Mm-hmm. And again, they can tell the difference. And when you are concerned for them and it doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth, because the, the, the last thing that we want to do is have our our mouth contradict our actions. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And so, you know, so our actions, I think, speak, obviously speaks louder than anything else. So yeah. for me, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily what you say. I think it's the approach that you take in regard to before you say something to someone. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so. So, again, guys have come through the doors, you know, have been, you know, uh, up, uh, raised up in, you know, uh, I hate to say this kind of like a redneck environment. Mm-hmm. But then they see someone and they consider I'm not supposed to like this person. But when that person looks past all that and say, you know, hey. You. It's about you. Uh, you know, you, you could be ticked off at me. I'm not frustrated with you. You're here. We got you. What, what, how can we help you? It's a, It's just that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, Paul, it's not. It's, uh, I'm not. You know, doing anything that the Bible didn't say to do. Just you know, loving on people. Yeah. What's your sense of things, Otto? Um, you know, we're we're in election year when we're shooting this um, and and doing this uh, podcast right now. This interview. We're in election time. Uh, if somebody's listening after the election, then whatever's happened then. But what's your sense, you know, meeting young men, being part of different churches, working with uh, dozens of churches there in the Reno, greater Reno, north of Nevada, I guess all the way over to Truckee in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your sense of the future? Are you optimistic or are you like, man, things are, are really bad. They're going to get worse. Where are you at on all this? Brother, I, I am so powerfully optimistic. I am so, I think this is the best time to live. Really? Why? I really do. Because um, honestly, what, what you see in the streets, um, to some, I mean, to some degree, is just an, uh, a cry for something different. They're screaming for something because what has been displayed to them up until this point has not worked. You know, you know, as well as I do, no one has ever loved the church because the church does a tremendous um, uh, world uh, impersonation. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want the real stuff. And yeah. that's what they're crying for. And uh, I, I, I think it's the most. I, I guess, Paul, what I'm saying, brother, is that when Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. Mm. because it's it's just open it's wide open but will we be willing enough to allow the spirit of god to cause us to be laborers because it's wide open yeah um, and, and when you're speaking the truth so so i i see yeah i see guys that are like concerned and you know fr- frustrated they can't work and that kind of thing um, but when they see someone like me that are in or like us they're in a position uh, where there's i don't know what is going on with you i yeah, you, you got this peace on you, man. Despite what's going on, I, I, yeah, I can I can eat, but what is what is this? Yeah. So I think that, I think right now, um, I think from a from a from a I guess a man of God's perspective, um, the I am so optimistic. I'm so fired up. Yeah, uh, because now is the perfect time. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're full of faith. You're full of faith that God's going to do what He said He would do. Acts uh, 2.17 says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. It doesn't say in the last days, it'll end up with riots in the streets, and, and then a comet comes, and, our, and global yeah. warming happens, and our faces melt. Come on. You know, it doesn't say that. It says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, and, and I think that that's where we have to go. Now, when you say you're optimistic, you and I both know that comes out of hope and out of faith, mm-hmm. a powerful substance, but it does produce an optimism. We don't live in optimism. It's an emotion. We live in faith, but it produces a sense of courage. It produces yeah. optimism. It produces a, a feeling of um, 
you know, like we can do this thing, you know, move forward. Don't yeah. have to just get stuck and stay where I'm at. And uh, man, I'm telling you, Otto, I, I so appreciate, and I think all of us in the Christian Men's Network deeply appreciate what you've done, what you and your wife, Joy, have done heading up the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And if somebody wants to know, if, if this is not, if you're not, if you're only listening to this, you can just put in Otto Kelly Reno and then click images and up will come a, a bunch of shots of this wild man. Now you said thing, I want to end with this. Sure. You said something a number of times, uh, and I want you to repeat this and, and expound on it the way you do so well. When you talk about why I was born, mm-hmm. when you talk to a young man or you talk to me or to other men, you when God put you on the earth, okay? I want you, and you know where I'm going. I want you to yeah. take that thing and run with that for a minute because that is an incredibly powerful truth for us to finish with. You know, um, you know, I, 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 ever since my kids were young, Psalm 139, 1 through 18 have been a, a, a foundational scripture. And it talks about purpose. And it talks about how God thinks about you. It talks about God uniquely handcrafted you in such a way to where only you can do what God's called you to do. Others may be able to emulate, but only you can do what God's called you to do. And sometimes when young men, most of the time, when young men or young ladies come through the doors, they just think they're another number. They think yeah. that they're just uh, another, you know, another stat just for somebody. But when it is pointed pointed out to them that you are you have been divinely handcrafted by the living God for sole purpose, that that you have a calling on your life. And this is people that like you figure, Paul, ninety nine point nine percent of the ones come through the doors, they don't know anything about God, you know. And when we explain when we explain this stuff, dude, let's let's just be real. So you're you're one out of 400 million. Think about this. Now tell these guys this. I said, do your own research. You know, when, 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 uh, when, uh, when, uh, before a, um, an egg is conceived, there's 400 million sperm cells. 400 million. That's just a small amount. You know, they, they, they've counted sperm cells up to 1.6 billion. So that means that you're one in 1.6 billion. Then it says in, in you know, in that, in that egg that, uh, the uh, Northwestern University says this, that there is a microscopic burst of light that takes place at the moment of conception. And I explained to this, this to them. I said, I, I don't care if you believe God or not. All I'm simply saying, creation or whatever, evolution, all I know is this, is that when God said, let there be light, there was this, there was this burst of light and then life. I said, the same thing happens at your conception. Mm. There was a burst of light and then God spoke, spoke you into existence. You know? I said, so you're one out of 400 million, one out of 1.6 billion, which means that you have been called by God, sub-microscopic level to do something and be something that nobody else can be but you. God has called you to be that child's father. God, anybody else could have, no, you've been called to be that child's father. You've been called to be that child's mother. And because of that, there's a uniqueness that you have that nobody else has. And because that, that, because of that, God wants you to recognize that there's a unique radiance of his spirit that nobody possesses but you. Wow. And, and they catch that, Paul. I mean, honestly, because it's like, dude, you got to understand something. You do realize there's 1.7 million parts of the body that have to come together just in order to have a birth, birth a child. So it's all those parts have to work in harmonious synchronicity in order for you to be birthed. And so God has a unique calling on your life, whether, whether I don't care what they say, I'm telling you, dude, this is how valuable you are. And, and for some reason, man, they catch that, Brother Paul, you know, and it's, and it's just telling them how really special they really are. Yeah. And, and uh, I've heard you say a number of times that in, in that uh, when you were born, you're his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10, mm-hmm. and you were put here on earth for a purpose. And God had some other people in mind when you were born. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God. When God created you, He was thinking of someone else. When God created, when God created uh, Dr. Paul Cole, He was thinking of Otto Kelly, yeah. because He knew that there's going to be a certain time in Otto Kelly's life that I would would not be able to hear the word of God through anybody else but Paul Cole. Wow. And so he, he was thinking of me when He made you. It's amazing. Isn't that great, man? Only God. And I think of the people who have spoken into my life, and and that was a God thing. Yes, sir. So, um, so no matter where I am in my life, I could be driving a forklift. 
I could be doing any number of things as a job or an occupation, but wherever I am, and Ephesians says, wherever you are, do it with excellence. But wherever I am, God's put me in places to have impact in other people's lives. Come on, brother. That's it. And when I do that, and I'm, and I'm, because here's the, here's the problem. We, we end up thinking of, well, I'd like to be successful. Well, we, we forget what success looks like. And we take on the earth's definition. The world success is, is to be on the front of a magazine or, or uh, have a certain amount of money or have 22s on your car. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the thing is, your definition of success. But the reality is success is to fully satisfy your personal design to become so everything good. you were designed to be. Dang. And when we so do that, yeah, it's in the book, Bartender. When we do that. <laughs> I know I read it about three times already, brother. <laughs> when I love we it. do that, then what happens is that, is that everything else falls into place, if you will. If I do, it's, it's again, come back to football. Finish your assignment. Yeah. If I do my assignment, mm-hmm. if I do my assignment, we got a friend of mine's uh, son who uh, is playing professionally, and he was he was not drafted. He mm-hmm. was never expected to even make his college team, much less. So he played at Stanford. Ends up playing. Mm-hmm. Ends up now six years in the NFL, going on seven. Love it. That's so great. And and they asked the coach down in in uh, the coach has moved now, uh, Bruce Aaron's. Mm-hmm. And you know he's a pretty hard taskmaster and, and a little bit. Of, a little bit of an F bomber, <laughs> right? And uh, Bruce Aaron said, What about this kid? And uh, he said, You know why that guy's got a job? You know why there's more talented people who don't? Because I never have to look over to see if he's doing his assignment. That's great. He said, Every single play, whatever we call, he's in exactly the right place. I never have to. He said, we're done coaching him. Mm-hmm. The only coaching we're doing now is trying to help him, you know, maybe little techniques, this and that. But in terms of position, I never have to worry about him. So he's wow. got, you know, he's got a job. He's got, he spent more years in the NFL than most guys just because he finished, finishes his assignment. That's great. And brother, I think that's, that's a, a great testimony of what you're doing, Otto. You enjoy, and your two sons. And and they're in ministry and business and doing different things, but but you've gone after your assignment, and you're doing the assignment. You're you're hitting the thing. Here's here's my assignment. I'm staying at it and doing it with excellence. And I think if every one of us would do that and quit worrying about what other person's doing or what that guy's doing, or being misdefining ourselves and going, man, I wish I was over there. I wish I was over there. I wish I was over there. Hey, where you're at. Baby, finish the assignment. Yeah. Right? Good work, man. Blocking and tackling. Gentlemen, this is a football. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Vince Lombardi thing. You know, just do your job. That's right. So uh, mm-hmm. I thank God for you, Otto, that you're one of those guys who said, I'm going to do this job and do it with excellence. So we pray over uh, Reno, the city of Reno, over northern Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, eastern California, all the areas you have, regions that you have influence in. Uh, we pray blessing over that, but we pray for you and joy and your family that God would bless you and every place you put your feet, it would be holy ground and every place you put your hands, everything you put your hands to would prosper and that God would keep you deep within the grip of his favor and grace in Jesus name. See that. Thank you, brother. Love you, bro. And brother. Okay. Pleasure mine. Pleasure's all mine, my friend. Be blessed. You know, when you see men like Otto Kelly, mm-hmm. the scripture just jumps out at you. You know, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, so a man thinks in his heart, mm-hmm. so is he. Yeah. And you can so tell yeah, can see it. that he's not just something, you know, a person that is just walking and talking. No, he's not fronting no, the thing. No, he's living yeah. it. He's a man that has allowed the word to become flesh in his mm-hmm. life. And he doesn't just stop at it there. He tries to bring other people into the word oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and it's powerful. Yeah, it is powerful. And he does it. He does it. He's really good at the face-to-face thing. Oh, yeah. Because he's pretty confrontational. He goes, hey, man. (laughs) 
You know, I've seen him in, in sessions with his, uh, when he does the discipleship there at the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Reno, Nevada. And uh, he'll sit down with a guy, all right, where are you at? Like, tell me. Tell me where you're at. How you doing on porn, addiction? How you doing with this, that, boom, boom. Uh, no, tell me right now. Just be a man, speak up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. And so the, the beauty of that, though, is... What that also creates, it's not just that, Chris, it's that what he's done just through his inclusion of people, just the way he is, he's created a safe space. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what, when we do the Ministry to Men with Christian Men's Network, and we're helping guys build groups, and we've got the, as you mentioned uh, at the mid-break, the MajorInToMen.com. Yes, sir. And then we've got the, the launch kit. Yes. And that's really what everybody should get. Yes. In the launch kit, it goes through those things. Build up a, a place of inclusion and safety. Yes. You know, men are not just going to come out with something just because they're confronted. Mm-hmm. It has to be confrontation within love. Yeah. And it has to be in an environment, you know. Exactly. I mean, you know, I've seen these things where go, everybody who has a problem, you know, stand up right now, be a man. And I'm like, dude, I know some guys, they're not standing. Yeah, no. They're not going to do it. It's a whole group of people. Maybe it's in a service where there's women present. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And I think there's a place for that. I think there's times for that. I mean, move with the Holy Spirit. But it, when you make that it's kind of a thing, you know, I don't I don't think that helps most guys. Yeah, no. Community is what helps mm-hmm. people. You know, oh, yeah. It's really it. That's man. a big word. Yeah. You know, and just to simplify yeah. it, communion you yeah. know, with people and unity with people is yeah. what makes community. Good, and when you see that reality, mm-hmm. I mean, you see it through all scripture. You see it through people mentioning it in books. You, When you break bread with somebody yeah, and you're like, hey, bro, nothing else matters but this food and you right now. Yeah, time together. You know, that's, what it, that's what breaking bread is about. It, and there's nothing like sitting around the table. And eating know. some good food. Yeah, yeah, and eating some good food. <laughs> well, that's my favorite part of church. You yeah. know, when we talk about church, the gathering of the church, I do love uh, the Sunday morning celebration thing or Saturday night whenever you do it, Tuesday night in Nashville. Uh, I do love that celebration time and that time of teaching. But the time that I feel like iron sharpens iron really happens is around the table or with a guy and a cup of coffee. And uh, so that's why with Christian Men's Network, our goal is to build strong men who build strong families, who build strong churches. And that pattern hasn't changed from the book of Acts till today. Exactly. In fact, it hasn't changed from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in that sense. Yeah. You know, so that's that's what we're about. That's what we're that's what our desire is to build strong churches and we do that by helping pastors disciple men. And when you see a guy like Otto doing that with people, yeah. You know, you say, Okay, this stuff really works, particularly when you meet the guys like Tim and others who, who have had their lives radically changed. Yeah. And I mean I love it because you make people get vulnerable. Yeah. You know, I mean, what was the first thing that God did with Abraham when he said, hey, you're going to be the father of the faith? Mm-hmm. He said, hey, let's eat food. Yeah. He said, hey, I want to see you at your raw state. You yes. know what I'm saying? It's always come back to food for you. Yeah. Hey, we got to eat good. <laughs> good. You know, you know, so, uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for being with us today. If you want to reach us, my name is Paul Lewis Cole, and you can reach me at paul at cmn.men. Paul. P-A-U-L. Not what that barista wrote the other day. P-O-O-L. Pool? I have no idea. <laughs> Who of you ever met somebody like that? I haven't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the funny one is is my friend uh, Jurgen Mathesius, oh. who's a pastor there in San Diego. A fantastic church called yeah. Awaken. But every time he says Jurgen, it comes out a hundred different things. So you can imagine... <laughs> See, I ought to just tell him Bob. Yes. You or know, something simple. Yeah. Something simple. Well, nothing anyway. simple now because everybody wants to have their unique moment. <laughs> <laughs> their unique moment is telling the yes. baristas their name. Yeah. Well, no. The, you know, the barista wants to make when their... They call it out? Yeah. No, no, no. When they spell it, you know, everybody oh, spells anything in any old kind of way yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no traditional... Like even Chris, who would have ever thought of K? I th- always thought it was CH, but... That's maybe that's just me. Well, K is where it started. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, Chris Kringle, all that stuff really? in Norway or well, somewhere. I'm learning so much stuff. Know, you know, <laughs> you know. Plus, like, uh, is it who, whose name is spelled? Uh, is it Dwayne Wade? Yeah. Right? Isn't it D W? No, but isn't 
Who is it? Who is it? Has his name is D A W Y. Yes, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway, so uh, that magic moment. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, where were we at? You're the one that's supposed to keep us on track. You're the Hope producer. Hope is alive. Hope is alive. Hope has a name. <laughs> yeah, and, and Hope is what? Name is Hope Jesus. is what? <laughs> Hey, thanks for being with us today, brave men. Chris uh, Shields, you're awesome. And Otto Kelly, you want to get a hold of him, uh, look him up, Google him in Reno, Nevada, Crisis Pregnancy Center. And thank God for all the people who head up the crisis pregnancy centers who are rescuing babies every single day across this nation and around the world. God bless you. Make it a great day. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name? Is Jesus. Is Jesus. God bless you. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.